Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Got my man Demond Cotton live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio for the next three hours. Unnecessary roughness in your ear hole. Again, Demond and your boy Q rocking with you. We want to hear from you throughout the course of the show, as we always do, by way of the Raider Nation listener line and also the Don'tBeBroke.com text line. Excited about the guests that we have coming up on the show, and of course, we're excited to be with you for the next three hours. Coming up on the show today, 2.30, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. He'll join the show, and it's a good day to have Sam join the show. Very excited about the opportunity to talk to him because there's a lot of different rankings that Pro Football Focus has put out there. We talked about the quarterbacks last week with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. They have running backs out. They have wide receivers out. They have team rankings out. Of course, this is what Pro Football Focus does. They have a very uh, big uh, following when it comes to you know breaking, breaking teams down, players down, positions down. Of course, they do everything analytically, so they have a lot of the, the math equations, I like to call it. They like to break it down and explain to you why they have certain positions, certain teams ranked where they do. And uh, we talked about it last week. Quarterback, they had Jimmy Garoppolo at 24. And that was before we uh, found out about uh, this, the, the issues that, that were really going on with Jimmy G. And maybe it's not an issue. Maybe it is an issue. Whatever the case may be, obviously, over the Memorial Day weekend, there was a lot of conversation about Jimmy G. So we'll we'll dip into all things silver and black. We'll talk about some running backs in the league. They have Josh Jacobs currently ranked fourth on their running back list. And I know my man, Hardcore Raider, who's a longtime listener of the show, chimes in on the show quite a bit. He hit me up and let me know, Q, I think that's a little low, right? So we'll ask Sam about, is Josh Jacobs a little low, ranked number four after leading the league in rushing in 2022? So Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, will join the show at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. He'll join the show to talk all things Raiders, talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and the situation with him. We're supposed to, I'm starting to hear word, and I'm not 100% positive on this, but... We're hearing word that we're actually going to have uh, an opportunity to be out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center tomorrow and speak to some of the players, speak to some of the coaches. So that's what we're expecting, but I haven't got official word from the Raiders yet. So once that happens, and hopefully it happens between the between now and 5 o'clock, once that happens, I'll definitely pass that along. I do believe head coach Josh McDaniels is going to be talking tomorrow morning. Obviously, there's plenty to talk about with the latest and the greatest when it comes to Jimmy G, and I know that... Coach McDaniels is not going to go give us some big, full, detailed, you know, medical report on Jimmy G, but I think it's fair to ask a few questions, right, and just say, hey, what is your, you know, your your comfortable level with Jimmy G, and is he going to be ready for training camp? And the thing about it is I remember last week when we were out there, and I remember Vinny asked the first question, as he usually does, as he's kind of grandfathered in that role where he's going to ask the first question. I remember he said, you know, hey, are we going to see Jimmy G out here at OTAs? Has he been, has he been cleared for action? And, and that's when Coach said, no, you won't see him today. And then Vinny said, is there a chance that – you know, he, he might not be out there till training camp. And that's what Coach McDaniels said. Yeah, there's a chance that he might not, but we, we don't want to put a timeline on it. Well, if we had known what we found out over the Memorial Day weekend, I guess the, the, the follow-up question should have been, and I put this on myself for not thinking of it at the time, 
The follow-up question should have been, is he going to be ready for the regular season? Like, are you comfortable he's going to be ready for the regular season? And, again, he probably would not have answered the question, but I think it would have been a fair follow-up. So I do believe if we talk to Coach tomorrow, which it sounds like we will, and maybe Paul has a better idea when we talk to him at 3 o'clock, uh, maybe uh, he'll be able to give us an update. Or, like I said, maybe we'll have uh, an email from the Raiders uh, in between now and then that will uh, that will give us that confirmation that we're supposed to meet there and have, uh, have a little bit of media session. So that is coming up at 3 o'clock, our conversation with Paul. Gutierrez from ESPN, and again, if I do get confirmation about being at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center tomorrow, definitely pass that along throughout the course of the show as well. At 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She's our normal guest that we have on Wednesday. She talks all things LV Aces, and so far, so good for Mark Davis's crew as they're 4-0 on the season, averaging about 95 points a game. And, you know, it's easy to talk about Kelsey Plum. It's easy to talk about Asia Wilson, Candace Parker, you know, the veteran, veteran, one of the greatest players that ever do it, right? They have Chelsea Gray, fantastic. But one of the players that's really stood out to me the most that I've really been excited by watching so far in the young season, it's only been four games, and no pun intended when I say the young season, but Jackie Young. Jackie Young has been fantastic. She really is coming into her own, had a 30-point performance uh, not too long ago, had a really good game uh, over the weekend. Uh, She is really coming into her own, and if she all of a sudden is clicking like she is so far in this young season, if she's able to keep that up consistently, oh, man, you better watch out. I, 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 I got to the house last night. And the wife always asks me, like, hey, is there something that we have to watch? Because she just kind of knows my routine. I always have to turn something on because for a reason, I have to watch something. Like, I have to know what's going on. I said, well, there's really no games on. But, oh, wait, the game that I want to watch is the Liberty. They're playing the Seattle Storm. I want to tune in and watch that. So I watched the New York Liberty last night. And there was a couple other things that I could have watched, a couple of options, a couple of baseball games and, and whatnot. But I was like, no, I want to. I want to scope out the competition because the New York Liberty is a team that everyone's been saying is going to give the Aces a run for their money. And I'll tell you this, they're good. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They're a really good team. They have a lot of really good talent on their team. But if Jackie Young is clicking like she is right now throughout the course of the season, I don't think anyone's stopping this team. And, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. They've only, they're have only they 4-0 on the season. They still have a long ways to go. But, man, if you add that element, I think that that could be the X factor. So that will be one of the first questions I asked Paloma coming up at 3.30 is about Jackie Young and is she capable of being that X factor. So, so far so good with the LV Aces. And just a side note that we'll have uh, Lindsey Brown from the Morning Tailgate. She'll be out at an at a Aces watch party coming up uh, pretty soon. So we'll give you updates on that uh, when it does occur. But, uh, yeah, Lindsey's going to be out and about. She's actually going to be out and about. We got her, we got her working harder than she wants to work right now. We got her putting it to the test. She's actually going to be out at, uh, at Twin Peaks on Eastern in, in Henderson tomorrow between 11 and 1, kind of pre-gaming everyone. This is funny. The NBA Finals gets kicked off tomorrow, right? Well, she's going to pre-game everyone, the little lunch crowd. So she'll be there from 11 to 1. She'll have a bunch of our sister station ESPN Las Vegas uh, you know, prizes, some tickets, some T-shirts, all kind of good stuff. So if you're out and about, you're looking for lunchtime, someone to hang out with, Lindsey Brown will be your person to hang out with at Twin Peaks, getting you prepared for the NBA Finals. But we got her out and about at a bunch of different events, NBA Finals game. Uh, we got her out and about out of the Aces watch party and another NBA Finals game. So, yeah, we're putting Lindsay to the test. I told her she was going to be working a lot, and now she understands what I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know a little bit later on in the show. Matter of fact, around the time that we have Paloma on, I'll let you know about that watch party. So uh, I know there's a lot of Aces fans. Uh, matter of fact, over the weekend, what was it, Sunday, I think? 
yeah, Sunday I was over at Vegas Jess's house with a good friend, and uh, we had a little bit of a barbecue, and the Aces came on. And, uh, yeah, that was a matter of fact, it was Sunday because they played the Minnesota Lynx. We gave out tickets to that game. So, uh, yeah, we, there were some friends and family that came over to Vegas Jess's house, and we all were watching that Aces game. And that was just a lot of fun and entertaining to check them out. So coming up at 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll talk all things LV Aces. Then at 4 o'clock, I mentioned the NBA Finals. Anthony DiNardo from Believe in the Pod in Miami Heat podcast, excuse me, he'll join the show to give us a preview of the Miami Heat. Yesterday, we talked all things Denver Nuggets as we kind of gave you a preview of what to expect from them on Thursday as the series gets started. And Mr. Triple Double, when he talks about uh, Nikola Jokic, I mean, that dude is just fantastic. Who on Miami is going to slow him down? Who on Miami is going to slow down? Murray, uh, you know, Porter Jr. There's so many players. Aaron Gordon that they really uh, have bringing to the table. They look like it's a big-time mismatch, but – The Heat are in the finals for a reason, right? The Heat have earned their way to the finals. So uh, we'll talk to Anthony DiNardo coming up at 4 o'clock, all things Miami Heat. And then tomorrow on the show, we'll actually have just a preview of the finals, uh, which is someone, an NBA national writer. Not to mention, we'll talk about a few storylines in the NBA as well. There's a lot going on as uh, Bob Myers has stepped down from the Golden State Warriors, basically the engineer behind all their championship teams. Is that going to hurt them? Is James Harden, does he not like his new coach and Nick Nurse? Is he going to bounce out of Philadelphia? You know, is the new coach there in, uh, in, in, in wherever, all over the league. Matter of fact, there's new coaches. There's all kind of coaches out there uh, that, that are replacing other coaches. You know, is there, is there a spot Monty Williams is going to fill sooner rather than later? I know the Pistons were trying to hire him. So we'll talk all things uh, NBA just in a Nationals thing tomorrow. But we'll talk with Anthony DiNardo, Believe in the Miami Heat podcast, coming up at 4 o'clock to preview the Miami Heat. So those are the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Sam Monson at 2.30, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN at 3, Paloma Villacana at 3.30, and Anthony DiNardo, Believe in the Miami Heat podcast, coming up at 4 o'clock. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So now's the time of year as it's almost June 1st. Tomorrow's uh, June 1st, that's Little Q's birthday, so shout out to Little Q. But uh, yeah, it's it's almost June 1st. It's that time in between, you know, you have OTAs, you have mandatory minicamp, that's coming up June 6th through 8th. Then you have training camp. But this is the time where fans get excited about their teams, right? Whatever the team did in the offseason fans get super excited about whether it's signing a free agent whether it's a guy that they drafted whatever the case may be there's always usually some pretty good reason for excitement so I just want to have a little bit of fun on today's show and talk about guys talk about players that we kind of dipped on in it a, a little bit kind of talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show but guys that you looked at that were your favorite player you were excited about you were most excited about these players that ended up being a big disappointment with your with your team. So you can look at Raiders that maybe were signed as free agents, maybe Raiders that were traded for, maybe Raiders that were drafted that you just knew was going to be the end-all, be-all that ended up not being that guy. And look, I mean, this a little bit of this has to do with the Jimmy G situation because he looked like he was a guy that, you know, was going to go in there and run Josh McDaniels' off, uh, offense and really help this team take the next step, and maybe he does. Right. Of course, we still have to wait for uh, all, all the, the medicals and him to be clear for training camp, which, you know, for all the expectations, he will. So it just kind of got the wheels rolling, kind of got the ball turning and started making me think of players that you got excited about and players that I got excited about. That's how I usually do all these shows is kind of think about uh, different situations that I've been in and how can I relate it to the show. So I started thinking about players that got me excited, got me fired up, knew that, oh, man, the Raiders are back with this player. And then it turned out 
not to be that guy. And I have two off the top, and I'm sure I could think of more. But there's two off top that I, I'll tell you right now, if you told me I was wrong about these players, I would have cursed you, right? I would have told you where to go and how to get there because I just knew these two players were going to make the Raiders the end-all, be-all. The first one is now a Hall of Famer. That's Randy Moss. When the Raiders made the move for Randy Moss, uh, Keek the Sneak put him in a song, right? Family Tanner, Randy, Moss, and Boston, right? I can't talk like Keek the Sneak, but you know what I'm saying. Man, he was in Super Hyphy. You know when a, when a Bay Area rapper throws your name into a song, that's when you know that he's going to be somebody. When Keek put Randy Moss's name in Super Hyphy, I got fired up, man. I was like, oh, yeah, even Keek knows what's up, right? Shout out to Keek the Sneak. So I was, you know, I was super fired up. I had the Randy Moss jersey, right? Someone, I was a music director at Q97 in Fresno, and, and a guy gave me a, a, a number 18 Raider jersey. He's like, Q, this is for you. It's so funny because back in the day, man, like record labels would come to the station and they would try to get you to play their songs. So they would always like take you out to dinner, wine you and dine you. This guy's like, I don't need to wine and dine, Q. I know he a Raider fan. I'm going to bring him a Randy Moss jersey. So he brought me that Moss the Boss jersey. I got all fired up. And it's funny. It's funny, DeMond, because your name on Twitter is DeMond the Boss. I think of that. All the time. Like, I don't want to, but I think of Randy Moss, the boss, because that's what Keek the Sneak said in Super Hyphy. So every time I see your Twitter account, it's like, you know, I know it's Cowboy Cotton, cotton but it's like, you know, at DeMond underscore the boss. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's right. Randy Moss just did that. That guy, he was going to solve all the Raiders' problems. Like, any problem they ever had, Randy Moss was going to solve it. And I promise you, I told everybody that he was going to be that dude. Man, that is so funny. You're Randy Moss, the boss. I didn't even know that they called him that for a short time. I didn't know that. The, well, obviously, the hype was real. I mean, him leaving Minnesota. But, I mean, was it really his fault, though? He was disappointing? Yes. You get, what? Yes. What? I mean, a lot of it was his fault. Yes. He quit. <laughs> the guy quit. He was pretty decent his first year, but he literally quit his second year. And I know that Kerry Collins set him up for failure on a pass. And he threw a little high, and Randy came down on his tailbone and was never the same after that. But, yes, he literally quit on the team. And now to this moment, to this day, he still talks bad about the Raiders. So, yeah, Randy Moss don't get a warm spot in my heart. I'm sorry. You're not going to convince me. I don't give a damn. I like him on ESPN. I watch him on, you know, on the morning show before games. I get it. I watch him. I think he's cool, but he ain't that cool. Right? <laughs> he ain't that cool. I still remember the scene in Mexico City when the Raiders were about to play the Patriots, and he was there with C. Wood. C. Wood was working for ESPN. It was Monday Night Football. Raider fans in Mexico City cheering. <sighs> Raiders. You know, all this other stuff. And Randy stands up. I ain't no Raider. I ain't never been a Raider. I ain't no, you know, he just was, and I know a lot of that was for show too, but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Not going to lie. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So, yeah, Randy Moss gets no love in my, in, in, from me. Not at all. All right, here's here's my bigger point. I don't like Kerry Collins either. Well, I don't either. But, I, I mean, either, you know, he's like both of us, you know, so. Oh, uh, yeah, but you really got Kerry Collins at the end of the day, right? What, how how long, how late in his, the game was he a quarterback for your team? 35 years old, but he was there until he was darn near 40. Oh, well. He was kicking that's, Vince that's Young sound, out the door. That sounds like a you problem, like a your team problem. And Vince Young, come on, he wasn't that good. No, he's the but, answer to that question. Uh, yeah, he was, I'm about to say he was not very good at all. Matter of fact, I'm about to say he probably is the answer to that question, the guy that you thought was going to be great and turned into be a bunch of hot garbage. And, you know, I don't want to disrespect him and say hot garbage, but he just wasn't who uh, everyone thought he was. The other guy for me, and you know I always say DBs win games, and I talked to this guy. I literally talked to him. 
not too long ago, and I say not too long ago, when I was at the Combine in Indianapolis, I was out one night with my guy Chris Carter, and we went to this little shindig where you, you know, everyone basically get together and you just kind of meet everybody. And I spent a long time talking to the guy. He's been in Allegiant Stadium. I think he's a good guy. He just wasn't worth a damn when he played with the Raiders, and that's D'Angelo Hall. When the Raiders signed D'Angelo Hall, made the move for him, and he came over from Atlanta, he was going to uh, pair up with Namdi Asamoah. It's going to be Namdi on one side, D'Angelo Hall on the other side. That dude lasted eight games. Eight games. He didn't even last the whole season. Eight stinking games, and he was done. And he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Really good player. He just wasn't a really good player with the Raiders. And so, I, man, I just knew him and Namdi were going to lock him up. Like, that was a no-fly zone. You weren't going to be catching no passes. That was the answer to a trivia question. Who's the, the best duo of defensive backs in the league? And I'll tell you right now, I screened it from the mountaintop. Namdi and D'Angelo Hall until D'Angelo Hall was basically a no-show. And the funny thing about that is he actually had a couple interceptions with the Raiders. Like, he had a little bit of production, but he just wasn't good. He just, he just, and he played literally eight games, and then they let him go. I think he got paid a million dollars per game. Just uh, looking at the uh, box score here, he led the team in interceptions for the season. Well, he was tied with three. Yeah, I know. That's why I said he had yeah, yeah, no, like, They weren't throwing the ball at Namdi's way, and then they threw it on De at D'Angelo because he was getting burned all the time. He couldn't even play press man coverage. He had to play off in zone coverage. Like, Namdi was press man in your grill. You could tell what he had for breakfast, right? That's how close he was to your face. D'Angelo was off like 10 or 15 yards. He was like, I, I ain't going to get burned. So it, it, it was like it just wasn't a very good combination. And, look, to his credit, he left the Raiders, went to Washington, had a decent career. He was pretty good after that. His best days, in my opinion, were in Atlanta, but that's just me, right? I mean, I think that he was a really good Falcon when he first came into the league, and I think he was a good a good Redskin. I don't think he – they were the Redskins then, so I can say that. So, you know, I, I just – I never thought he was great as he should have been. You know, he did have a lot of ball production, though. I'll give him that. He did come up with a lot of interceptions, similar to, like, what Marcus Peters does. Comes up with a lot of interceptions, but then he had a lot of plays where you just slap yourself in the head and say, what the hell was that? So those are the two for me that really had me so fired up, so excited, knew that they were going to be the end-all, be-all. They were going to solve all the Raiders' problems. Randy, the boss, mouse, and then D'Angelo Hall. Neither one of them worked out so i ask you raider nation i throw it out to you uh 702-365-9200 also the don't be broke.com text line 69187 keyword r&r having a little bit of fun on this wednesday want to know who your favorite player was or who was the player you were most excited about that, that ended up on the raiders that ended up just being a big disappointment and you really don't spend too much time talking about them anymore again 702-365-9200 don't be broke.com text line 69187 keyword r&r got a bunch of texts coming through already uh, this one's from Jim and Yonkers. Jamarcus Russell, we all believe the hype. Thank you. Yeah, I fell for that one too. I had a, I had a Jamarcus jersey. Little Q had a Jamarcus jersey. We all knew that that guy that threw the ball 70 yards from a knee was going to be the guy. He was going to, you know, uh, you know, real men throw deep and all that and just, you know, just go deep, baby, and all that good stuff. And he was going to be the typical, the, the prototypical Al Davis quarterback where he, you, you take what you want, right? You go deep all the time. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't work. And I remember it's funny, uh, and I don't think it ever happened. I remember Jamarcus, when he, got, when he got drafted, he said, oh, I can't wait to throw passes to, to Randy Moss. And I don't think it ever happened. Did they, they never, I think uh, Randy got traded before that, right, before that ever happened. If not, it was like only a year. They didn't play. I don't think they ever played together. But I remember him saying that when he got drafted, and he didn't look like he was even happy to get drafted by the Raiders, which we come to find out later that he wasn't. But, yeah, that was, that's true. That's a big disappointment too. Jim, thank you so much for that. 
I definitely appreciate you. Cucamonga Raider said Moss was the first person that came to mind as well. My other two are Desmond Howard and Dante Culpepper. Desmond Howard's a really good one. Dante, I don't even hold Dante against us. Uh, again, I just, I really don't like hold it against him because he was banged up. And, uh, you know, he came back from, what, ACL surgery. And so, you know, everything that, that he he provided was, okay, he's doing the best he can. But he, you knew he wasn't going to be Minnesota Viking, Dante Culpepper. But Desmond Howard, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Desmond Howard was fresh off. There was a run that the Raiders made where they were signing all the Super Bowl MVPs. Desmond Howard was a Super Bowl MVP. Raiders signed him. I'm like, man, they're going to start returning kicks to the house. Oh, Desmond Howard's going to take over. Yeah, that didn't happen. And uh, they also signed Larry Brown from the Cowboys when when he was the Super Bowl MVP. When uh, what's his name? Whoever the quarterback was, it Jim O'Donnell or whoever the quarterback was for Pittsburgh, who basically threw the ball right to him twice. He came up with two interceptions. They became the MVP of the Super Bowl, and the Raiders signed him. And he never did anything. He wasn't worth a squat, man. He was terrible. I never liked Larry Brown, but there's that. Uh, here's one from the 707. I was there at the Coliseum on the Monday night opener versus Denver after signing D'Angelo. What a disappointing night. He got burned all night. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I remember that one too. Appreciate that text from the 707. And that's, that was the, that was the story of D'Angelo and the eight games. I mean, think about it. You sign this guy, you bring him in, you're excited about the combination of him and Namdi together. And he literally plays eight games. He got paid a million dollars per game to play with the silver and black. That is ridiculous. Uh, another text from the 707, I thought Jeff George was going to throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns with the Raiders. Nope. I will say, there was a year, I like Jeff George. I'm glad you brought up Jeff George. I did like him. Obviously, he wasn't a winner, I mean, anywhere. But I liked him and his ability. And what, did, what was the year? Before Gruden, before Gruden was uh, the Raiders coach the first time, obviously, I believe Jeff George had like 29 touchdown passes and only like four or five interceptions. He turned James Jett into a really good wide receiver. Like he was hitting James Jett deep all the time. Matter of fact, Demond, and you're probably too young for this, I remember a game, I think it was Jeff George's first game with the Raiders. They played the Tennessee Titans, and it was a back-and-forth game the whole game. I think Tennessee ended up winning the game, but I remember watching that game with my mom, and Jeff was just dialing it up, man. He was Ding, 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 because that dude had a strong arm. He was throwing that thing around the yard. They were scoring touchdown after touchdown. It was back and forth. I believe Eddie George and the Titans beat him. Uh, but it was uh, it was that. I remember that. that I want to say that was his first game as a member of the Silver and Black, and that's when I thought, oh, man, Raiders got them a quarterback. But he didn't fit with what John Gruden wanted to do, so he obviously wasn't a good fit for, for Gruden in that offense. Ding, 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 ding. Your memory is great. Yes, they uh, lost that game in overtime 21-24 in Jeff George's first game, Boom. but he did have three touchdowns and 287 yards passing. There you go. There you go. I don't know. Was James Jett a touchdown? Uh, did he receive a touchdown in that game? James Jett seemed like he caught nothing but touchdown passes from uh, from Jeff George. That, I did like that quarterback, but again, like I said, he was not a fit for what John Gruden wanted to do at all, so you knew he was on his way out the door. But man, I did like him at first. No, it was Tim Brown that caught all three touchdowns that uh, game. That's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good choice. Look, if you're trying to figure things out, new first time with a team, you're going out and you got a guy that's going to be a potential or a Hall of Famer at some point, yeah, go ahead and feed him the ball. I like that. I like that. Man, got a lot of text messages coming through. You can also call us at 702-365-9200. It's the Ray Nation listener line. How about this one from the 915? Q&D, what's good, fellas? Moss, Hall, just threw up in my mouth. But J. Russ, Sapp, and Trent Brown, yuck. Us oh, is El Paso Raider. We've been through a lot. One more, Sean Smith. 
There you go. I remember Sean Smith. That I can't remember. We talked about this not too long ago, like a week or so ago on the show. I can't remember. It was in free agency, and there was a DB that was a really good DB that everyone wanted the Raiders to sign him, and he ended up going to another team for big-time money. Sean Smith was DB number two on the free agent market that year, and the Raiders signed him, and I remember saying, well, that's all right. They got the second-best DB. They're going to be fine, and Sean Smith was terrible. I cannot remember who the first DB was, but it was someone else that everyone preferred, and then Sean Smith ended up being the guy that the Raiders got. That was when Big Reggie was the, uh, was the, uh, the general manager, and most of his work he did late night and on Fridays. Something about late night and Fridays. I think everyone used to call uh, R- Reggie McKenzie and his free agent gets like Friday get. Uh, here goes a text from the 415. Raider James said, hey, Q, Jeff Garcia and Richard Seymour. Yeah, Richard Seymour was a good player on a bad team. Uh, he really was. And I know he didn't really want to be a Raider at first. You know, when they first made the trade for him, he didn't really want to even report. But, I mean, this dude got the exclusive franchise tag and showed up immediately, right? He was on the bus. He made sure he was on the bus with the rookies on their way to Napa. Like, he was a good player just on a bad team. So I don't hold that against Richard Seymour. Jeff Garcia, well, that's just Jeff Garcia. Cucamonga Raider says, does Antonio Brown count? Asking for a friend. No. No, he does not. Antonio Brown falls in that category of guys that I had to convince we're gonna convince myself we're gonna be good Raiders. Like I didn't I was so adamant about just stay away from Antonio. Don't go the Antonio Brown way. Like I told anyone who would listen, don't do it. Then the Raiders made the move for him and I didn't feel like they gave up too much, a third and a fifth round pick. I was like, Well, they got good value. Like I, I convinced myself. I, I talked myself into liking that move. I was like, Oh yeah, they only gave up a third and a fifth round pick. That's not bad. Oh, man, that's Alpha Dog. That's going to be Alpha Dog wide receiver number one. Oh, he's making people accountable for himself. Wow, he's going to make this wide receiver a lot better. Nothing. So, yeah, Antonio Brown counts, but he doesn't count, right? Because we all, I think, had a better idea that it was going to be a bad idea. But I think most of us convinced ourselves that it was a good idea. So thank you again for that text. And I can tell there is a lot of great feedback that we're going to receive on the show today. I do appreciate that. 69187, keyword R&R, and the listener line, 702-365-9200. Keep those texts coming. And if you have a question for our next guest, you can hit us up as well. Sam Monson for Pro Football Focus. He'll join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got this text on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R from Nick at the Valley of the Sun. He said, what up Q? For me, it was Corey Littleton. When he was signed, I was like, finally, we got a great linebacker who can make plays and cover. And, yeah, not so much. I think he's washing cars now, living off the Raiders contract. Peace out. Again, that's Nick, the Valley of the Sun. Throw the question out there to you on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Who was your favorite player or the player that you got most excited about that ended up being a big disappointment? You could chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Or if you have a question for any of our guests that we have on the show, you could do that as well. Like our next guest that joins us on the phone line, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. And, Sam, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And you're a guy that covers the league like a glove. You guys do a fantastic job there at Pro Football Focus. Were there a couple players that ever stood out to you that you thought were going to be great fits at certain teams and it just never seemed to kind of work out for those guys? Yeah, I mean, that anyone that's been covering the NFL for any period of time, I think, has got a ton of those guys down the years. Um, always, there's always so many guys in the draft that I think are going to end up being 
absolute studs and it doesn't work out. I love Denzel Mims a couple of years ago. I thought he was mm. going to be an amazing wide receiver. It's just been buried on the Jets. Depth yard has never really done a thing. But I think every year you're going to have those guys. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So I threw that out there, and uh, Raider Nation is chiming in on all the Raiders that didn't live up to the hype. Let's just put it like that. But, Sam, I wanted to get you on the, on the, on the phone line and on the show to talk about uh, the Raiders and some of the rankings that you guys have at Pro Football Focus for the Silver and Black. And I was looking at just the team in general. Uh, you guys have them ranked 21st, and really the big question mark is the defense, and I think that's what all Raider fans talk about is the defense and the way that they've got to be able to step up to be a lot, to be a lot better than they were a year ago. How much, I don't want to say pressure, but how much do you think of this as riding on Tyree Wilson, the number seven overall pick? Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be um, pressure riding on him. He's a, a really interesting pick. Obviously, he was really productive last season. The the real sort of selling point on him, though, is that crazy size, athleticism, the wingspan, the kind of physical tools that he brings to the table, even if they're a little bit of an unknown quantity because that injury meant we never really got to see him sort of put real numbers attached to those um, measurables and, and workout numbers that we assume he does have. But, yeah, I, I think he's a, a real sort of litmus test type player of how much you value the traits versus the, the, athletic, or the, the productive, production profile because it's kind of difficult to look at his college production in its entirety mm-hmm. and project him forward to being a really high-end draft pick. There just aren't a ton of players that have his kind of profile that have – projected really well at the NFL level, but there aren't also guys that have his size and athleticism and wingspan to bring to the table as well. So I think he was a really interesting pick in that first round, and there's a lot for him to live up to. When you look at the Raiders' defense, again, as you guys pointed out, that's the, that's the part of the team that you're most concerned about. Is there a certain position that you think still needs to be addressed, or do you think it's just kind of the overall defense? Yeah, I mean, I think they've got holes still across the board. They've, they've obviously added some players and, and done um, a good job of trying to address pretty much every spot. There's somebody been brought in to try and uh, improve and upgrade what they've had, but the defense, I think, was coming from a very low ebb in terms of talent and, and really needs a lot of these guys to actually work out. So part of it is the Raiders were one of those really active teams in terms of volume of guys that they brought in over mm-hmm. the off season. And it's going to come down to how much, what kind of strike rate they're hitting from those guys that they brought in. And on top of that, I mean, how quickly do you think those guys, you know, from veterans that they brought in as free agents to the six guys that they drafted uh, in the, in the April's draft, how quickly can they gel? Like, I mean, how quickly do you expect guys to be able to even uh, figure out what they're doing and be on the same page? Right, and for you know draft picks, for young players as well, you also have that sort of development time and growth curve of just coming into the NFL and how quickly they're going to be able to, to reach the kind of level that we think they can hit down the line but might not happen year one. Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, DeMond's got one for you. I want to move over to the rankings because I love a good list. And when it comes to the wide receivers, Devontae Adams was ranked number one. What is it about Devontae that he's able to still stay atop as the best receiver in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is there's he hasn't done anything to drop off that list from the time when he was kind of unquestionably the number one wide receiver in the NFL. He's such a technician, one of the best route runners in the NFL, if not the best. He's got a plan for any type of coverage. He can beat man or zone. He's really good at the catch point as well. 
he's been the most productive receiver in the NFL by pretty much any measure over the last couple of years. And maybe a guy like Justin Jefferson has elevated himself to that level, but I don't think you can say he's definitely surpassed Devontae Adams. Same with Tyreek Hill. So until that happens, until we see some sort of drop-off from Devontae Adams, I think he deserves to be seen as the best receiver in the league. And Devontae made some comments that kind of got taken out of context about, hey, like people can't deny me now that I've done it without Aaron Rodgers, the production that he had last season. Did that also factor into what you saw last season, that he was able to have a monster year without Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, definitely. I think anytime you've got a, a, a pairing where it's, a great quarterback and a great receiver, you're always going to ask the question, you know, what would this look like if he didn't have a, a Hall of Fame quarterback thrown in the football? Would it be the same guy? How much is that helping him out? And it may not be fair. It may not be, um, you know, a, a reasonable thing, but it's always going to be thrown at those guys. So Devontae Adams showing last season that it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers making him into this superstar wide receiver it was big for his sort of legacy and for his uh, standing in the, in the game to be seen as a, a legit number one guy in his own right, regardless of the quarterback. Sam Monson is our guest from Pro Football Focus here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Josh Jacobs, he led the league in rushing last season. We had our guy, Hardcore Raider, hit us up and say, hey, ask him about the ranking for Jacobs. He's at number four right now, and he was the number one running back in 2022. What was the, what was the math that kind of went into ranking the running backs in the, in the league? Yeah, with any of these lists, for me at least, I always try and factor in sort of as big a sample size as possible in multiple years. So, you know, if you want rankings of just 2022, they're already up there in terms of PFF grades. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what the site does in terms of showing you the the performance over a single season. But when you're ranking players in the offseason, you're looking ahead to the next year. The, The real difficulty, I think, is trying to figure out how much to weigh last year versus the last two or three seasons and all those kinds of things. So when you've got guys like Nick Chubb and um, Derrick Henry, I think the body of work for those guys is so impressive that it's difficult to, it's difficult to jump them in one season. And it's a sort of similar story with Devonta Adams and Justin Jefferson. Obviously Jefferson is now going on a few years of elite play, but you know, Devontae Adams' body of work is so good mm-hmm. that it's going to take something pretty special to jump him in the rankings. Now, Josh Jacobs carried the ball and caught the ball a lot in 2022. He had almost 400 touches, and that is a ton. And we all thought that it was going to be running back by committee, but to me, he just wouldn't come off the field. He was so sticking good. Plus, it was a contract year. How do you think that they go about kind of using Josh Jacobs in 2023? Do you think it's a similar approach, or is it more running back by committee? I think they'll probably, you know, ride him pretty hard this year. Uh, I think he showed last season that he can carry the load, and unless they do get him locked up to that long-term deal, then you may only be viewing him as a one-year type of um, deal for this team. So uh, we're in this world now where running backs, it's not that they become expendable, but I think teams are acutely aware of the shelf life of an NFL running back. And unless you're Derrick Henry and you just have this ability to – you know, it bucked the, the trend, you are talking about these players that are probably going to be uh, used throughout the first contract. Maybe you give them a franchise tag, and then you're looking to get younger and cheaper at the position. So I doubt that they're going to try and, you know, really dial back his workload and, and look beyond this season. But um, but maybe they do. Maybe, maybe they, they do view him as more of a long-term piece than, uh, than I think – makes sense given his uh, career so far. 
And a quick follow-up when it comes to running backs, how much does the offensive line factor into the rankings? It's uh, definitely a factor. I think when you one of the most difficult aspects of ranking running backs is our understanding of how dependent they are on their environment, whether it's blocking, whether it's the offense that they're in, whether it's the defenses that they face, whether it's the style of offense or passing game, all those kinds of things. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor last season, I think, is a great example. The Colts offense fell apart, and Jonathan Taylor went from looking like the best running back in the league to a guy that was mired in the mid- middle of the, the pack and, you know, looking like he'd fallen off a cliff. I don't think Jonathan Taylor got significantly worse last season. I think the situation around him just completely fell apart. So it's difficult trying to factor in the supporting cast and the environment that each one of these guys are in, but I think it is hugely important. And, you know, it's difficult to sort of give a guy credit in abstract terms and say he's way better than his production has been because I think that's just a, it's sort of too much of a projection on faith. But I do think that you should tap the brakes on really dragging a guy down the rankings when his situation obviously got worse and he probably didn't become a worse player um, because of it. Speaking of situations that are changing, Jimmy Garoppolo, him with the Raiders now on the QB rankings, he was at 24, and this is before we knew about the foot injury. But if healthy, is Jimmy G with the circumstances, was San Francisco basically his peak because of all the weapons he had around him? Yeah, probably, and and the fact that he was in Kyle Shanahan's offense, which, as we know, is is basically a cheat code for generating uh, quarterback production and quarterback efficiency. He's unlikely to ever have it as good as he had it in San Francisco again, no matter where he plays. But the health for him, I think, is is obviously the key thing, and this is not not new. Um, we knew when the 49ers traded up for Trey Lance and traded essentially three first-round picks to get a new quarterback, the um, – it would have been a reasonable move to make just based off Jimmy G's health, even if they didn't have any concerns about how good he can be as a player at his best. Just with his injury history, it made a lot of sense to be trying to look for a new option. So this was always going to be a risk to, to sign a guy like Jimmy G. The chances that he makes it through any 17-game schedule, let alone the next one, I think at this stage are pretty slim. So going into a season with him as your plan A and without a, a really sort of coherent plan B, I think is a, is a big risk. Yeah, it kind of it took me by surprise. I'm not going to lie, Sam, when I saw the rankings for the quarterback and saw Jimmy G at 24, I thought, man, there's nothing but rookies and, and guys that haven't been one-year starters yet in the league behind him. And then there was Baker Mayfield, but he's you know he's been kind of cast around the league multiple times. So it kind of blew my mind that he was there at 24, and even a guy like uh, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh was still at 22, even though I know it's not much of a difference. But how, I mean, how much of it just with those guys and the inexperience behind him really had to do with, with the injuries and, and, and just what Jimmy G's going through? Yeah, I think a huge part of it is injuries. I mean, you can't rely on Jimmy G starting for an yeah. entire season um, in any given year, and it's tough to rank a guy as one of the you know top half quarterbacks in the NFL if you have to budget in two, three, six, whatever, eight games of a backup in his stead. Yeah. Is that you know that classic old line of your best ability is availability, and right now Jimmy G's availability has been bad for years. Again. Again, Sam Monson is our guest here on Pro Football Focus, Red Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Demond. Sam, we only got a couple more for you, but I had to ask you this after looking at your Twitter. How good do you think you would do in the cheese wheel race? (laughs) 
Now, not so great. Uh, you know, back in my day with a, a little bit more fitness under the belt, you know, back, back in my athletic peak, I think I could have made it down the hill and, and had a good shot of getting the cheese wheel. Without getting concussed? No, I probably would have got concussed <laughs> at the end of it as well. But look, these are the sacrifices you've got to make to grab that wheel of cheese. I understand that, man. You're braver than me because no way would I do that. That is the craziest thing that is technically still a sport that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, as I, as I tweeted, there aren't too many sports where you can win whilst being unconscious at the time. Q, do you have another question? Yeah, I, th- oh, I, thought, I, thought, you, I thought you were on a cheese whiz tour. Oh, no, no, no. I, thought, <laughs> I, I was done. That's all I wanted to talk about was cheese. I thought we were wrapping it up with that. All right. Well, we'll wrap up with this. I saw on your rankings that you had uh, Nate Hobbs uh, ranked at 28th for the cornerbacks. And uh, I wanted to just really ask, not with the ranking, I just wanted to ask what you thought was the better position, the outside corner or the slot corner that we saw him play uh, his rookie year? I mean, I think Nate Hobbs is a slot corner. I think he's a slot corner in a zone scheme as well. I I think, unfortunately for him, he's kind of trapped out of position and out of scheme. I think he's almost in in the wrong situation in a couple of different ways right now. But I think we saw a player in his rookie season that in the right system playing inside is a really, really high-end player. All right, there it is. Nate Hobbs ranked 28th, and uh, the cornerbacks, the defense, a lot of different positions need to step up for the silver and black. Well, Sam, thanks so much for your time. What are you working on, Pro Football Focus, that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, it's it's ranking season at PFF, yeah. so all the rankings that you're talking about, we've got more coming out, um, pff.com and the PFF NFL podcast is where it all is. All right, well, Sam, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you, my man. No problem, guys. Take it easy. All right, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, and apparently uh, Cheese Chaser, according to uh, DeMond. So there's that. But uh, many thanks to Sam for giving us a few uh, minutes of his time, breaking down some rankings when it has to do with the silver and black, talked wide receivers, talked running backs, team in general, Jimmy G, and, of course, closed out there with Nate Hobbs. 2.45 is the time. We'll come back, get to your texts, get to your calls at 702-365-9200. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. Many thanks to Sam Monson for Pro Football Focus. Join us in the last segment just to break down some rankings, as only PFF does. Coming up at the top of the hour, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. We'll talk to him about the silver and black, what to expect if we're out at OTAs or out at uh, – not mandatory minicamp, but if we're out at the uh, OTA session tomorrow. I believe that we will, but we have not got word yet from the silver and black. Also, we'll talk about the Jimmy G situation and where it stands and when he thinks that it should be a time when Red Nation gets a little bit concerned. Uh, with the quarterback with QB1 when it comes to the upcoming 2023 season. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun, or I feel like we've been having a little bit of fun. Sometimes it's good to get it out your system. Who was that player that got you excited? Who was your favorite player or player you're most excited about that ended up being a big disappointment? A lot of free agents have been brought up on this list by Raider Nation on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r You can also call us at 702 702- 365-9200. Matter of fact, got a couple DBs here. This one's from Kobe from Kansas City. He said, LaMarcus Joyner, I really thought he was going to fix the secondary and was so excited to see him play. And, man, he was awful. Thanks, Q. That's Kobe from Kansas City. And, yeah, I remember LaMarcus Joyner. That was the guy that was supposed to be the Swiss Army knife, right? He was going to be safety. He was going to come down and cover the slot. He was going to do this, that, and the other. And he did a whole lot of nothing. He was not that guy. And, you know, it was – it was a run, and we had Corey Littleton brought up uh, earlier. There was a run when the Raiders made like two or three guys from the uh, the Rams their uh, their free agent gets, their big acquisitions, and it just seemed like those guys didn't work out with what the Raiders were trying to do. And it always felt like to me, if you're going to go outside of the building and get a free agent, you probably should do what made you want him, 
right? Whatever he did really well that made you desire to get him as a free agent, you probably should have stuck to saying, hey, that's what he's going to do moving forward and not trying to move him and change position. Because I remember LaMarcus Joyner, he, uh, he played a certain role with the Rams uh, under Wade Phillips in that uh, the defense that Wade Phillips ran. And then he went to the Raiders and he just played a different style and he just was not that guy. We got a text from the 707 about a draft pick. How about, I thought Fabian Washington was going to make a huge difference. We know he did not. And the worst thing for Fabian Washington, I feel bad whenever Fabian Washington is brought up, is the fact that we all know who was picked after Fabian Washington. That would be one Aaron Rodgers. So Fabian Washington will never, ever live that one down, and that's unfortunate for him. But, yeah, he wasn't that guy either. That's when the Raiders went and got, what, two DBs in the draft and Fabian Washington and also Stanford route. Good friend of the show, as a matter of fact, Stanford route. 252 is the time. Let's go out to the phone line, 702-365-9200. DeMond, who we got up? Shields up. Shields up. Welcome to the show. Give me something good. Stanford route out of University of Houston, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that could have been two corner bookends for how long? Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. <laughs> Just didn't yeah. work out. Stanford was a nice guy though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so the whole thing is that uh, your your topic. I just I just put it on. The, the biggest disappointment this year or, like, total? Just any, just any player that you got super excited about. And you're like, man, this is going to be the dude. And then he turned out to not be the dude. And in, in our circles, we call it the uh, unspoken. It's called Jamarcus <laughs> Russell. <laughs> I had someone text in and say, Jamarcus, I fell for that banana uh, the tailpipe too, Shields. Uh, don't feel bad. <laughs> I, I, I'm not lying because I'm an LSU fan too. Oh, wow. Yeah, double whammy. <laughs> and, so, and and um, it took me three days to get out of the out of the bed. It brought in a psychiatrist and everything else. Dang. But anyways, <laughs> you didn't you didn't fall for the Matt Flynn hype though, did you? Yes, I did. No way. He was an LSU I mean, guy. You, I mean, knew you knew he wasn't good. You knew he wasn't good. But but allegiance sometimes <laughs> is suffering, brother. That's true. So, so what I'm saying is, I thought he was serviceable. I wasn't <laughs> expecting. I wasn't expecting a Super Bowl. Right, I, I got you. You know, all right, but um, yeah, there was some bias. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie, man. I mean, yeah, you can't help yourself. He was an LSU guy, so there you go. <laughs> and, uh, Hodson actually, Hodson got drafted, but he he didn't do nothing either. Right, but um, yeah, no, I, I just want to speak on real quick the Jimmy G so-called quotes air quotes situation. Yeah, speak on it. I mean, I, I well, I'm saying is this is that um. He was hurt in San Francisco, right? And he was out, I don't know how many weeks. Yep. And he had a foot injury, correct? Yep. So, I mean, I guess what happened was he came in, didn't pass our physical, because they knew about the previous history, the injury and everything else. And then, um, and now he has surgery. So I don't know. I know Raider Nation is kind of like on the ledge. And this is the thing to talk about. But I think ultimately this was expected, too. I mean, because... He didn't play for how many games? He comes in. He doesn't pass the physical. Wink, wink. You know, McDaniels and Ziegler. And now he's having he's having surgery. And I just think it's it's much to do about nothing, brother. That's that's all I'm saying. Gotcha. And that and that's my opinion. And uh, as always, shields up and um, let's go. Hey, good stuff. Appreciate it, man. It's always good. We love to hear from you. Good, Demond, let's go ahead and get one more before we take a break. Who we got up next? Lois Cali Raider. Lois Cali Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, what's good? What's good, Cube? It's Lois Cali Raider for seven six zero. So I got Arden Key, McLean, and Antonio Brown. 
Ooh, McLean. Okay, that's a good one. The good one. Man, Rolando McLean, I was so excited about when the Raiders drafted him. I've been talking about linebackers forever. You know, like, oh, man, they need to go get a real deal stud. And they went and got Rolando McLean. Problem with that, when they went and got Rolando McLean, that made Kirk Morrison expendable, and they moved on from Kirk. I was a little disappointed by that. But I was excited by Rolando because I saw what he did at Alabama. And, well, we know what he did with the Raiders. He was pretty decent in Dallas. But he wasn't that guy with the silver and black. I think what Rolando McClain is most famous for as a member of the Raiders was that uh, suplex he had on, I think, Danny Amendola when, uh, when he was at the Coliseum. I can't remember if that was Amendola or not. But, yeah, that's what I remember the most about Rolando McClain. Hey, that was hey, a good one. one more thing. Yep. Milk, kite. <laughs> don't you do it you're gonna get me in trouble you're gonna get the masses mad at me man don't do it don't do it i appreciate you brother <laughs> he's trying to get me caught up for failure man the masses are gonna start calling the radio station go to hell q i don't like when you do that stop it q i don't like when you do that don't have fun it's against the rules i want you to be serious all right 256 at the time paul gutierrez seriously is coming up next from espn is radio Nation radio 920 this is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have for anyone craving great pizza. Locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's Turbo High Output Engine. Delivering impressive power with no compromise durability. Whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends... This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. See your Southern Nevada Chevy dealers. Hey Chuck, can you explain the difference between Dollar Loan Center's locations and the typical check cashing and payday places? Well, we don't have bulletproof glass, we don't have bars on the windows, we don't have plastic furniture. Look, our locations are more upscale, clean and safe, like banks used to be. And your locations have even won awards for how nice they are? For several years in a row, the Financial Service Centers of America have awarded us with the Activity Award for Outstanding Community Service and the Star Award for Best Store Appearance. Both are national recognitions. That was Chuck. And to celebrate 25 years in business, he's offering free loans to all new customers. No fee to apply and a week of free interest. We have over 50 locations. Apply over the phone or online at don'tbebroke.com. Don't forget, your first loan is free in 2023 at the DLC. Free loan means if you pay off your loan one week or less, the interest is free. You are still required to repay the principal amount. Licensed by the Data Financial Institutions Division. Customer must meet the normal loan qualifications. Review loan qualifications. Visit us at don'tbebroke.com. Certain limitations may apply. Loans are subject to approval. Sign up today for a new William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports account, and you can earn a $50 bonus on top of your original $50 or more deposit using promo code GET50. The William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app allows you to bet on the go from any iPhone, iPad, or Android device from any Anywhere in Nevada. Sign up today and you'll never miss another bet. With the largest wagering menu, the mobile sports app features live in-play betting on all major sports. For more information and to see participating sign-up locations, visit WilliamHill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. Time for a weather update and yup, there's still weather outside. It's a temperature. It could rain or not. It's either hot or cold. So wear a jacket or don't. Anyway, good luck. Unclear information isn't helpful, which is why when your car needs repair, head to Meineke Car Care Centers. With Meineke e-inspection, we'll send photos and technician notes straight to your phone, telling you what should be fixed and why. Get a basic oil change starting at $24.95. Meineke, doing car care right. 
At participating locations, terms and conditions apply. A lot of people won't call an attorney to help them get out of debt because they're afraid they'll get pushed into a bankruptcy. Not a Panda Law Firm. We're a full-service debt relief law firm, and that means we review all your options with you. During your free consultation, Panda attorneys will talk to you about bankruptcy, debt consolidation, and debt settlement. Then we'll work to figure out the best option for you. When you need help with your personal or business debt, call Panda Law, 702-818-3888. Hey, Nevadans. Prescriptions can be expensive. Let the Array RX discount card be your solution. Now available to all Nevada residents. Simply sign up for free. Show your pharmacist your digital. 